0: JPK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His weekly visit is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning.
1: Good morning. Did Joe Ingles profusely apologize for bumping me for my spot?
0: No, I think he rather enjoyed it.
1: Oh, that's not very nice of Joe.
0: He, he does, looks. He, he does was, relish doing it to, law, to
1: Bowler, so I guarantee he relishes it. Right, yeah.
0: I think he looks for entertainment wherever he can find it. In this case, he just found it.
1: She, I shouldn't be expecting a text from
2: Joe that says, hey, by the way, my bad, sorry about that.
0: No, more one that said, ha, 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 something like but that. But no, in
2: all seriousness, thanks for doing it.
0: Yeah, see, PK is always the polite one around here. That's true. You're right. <laughs> I agree. That's why we like PK. So, David, I have a theory, and uh, you oh like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. David James has a theory. <laughs> I know. Like, and well, you... I do
1: this. I, like, like, BK, can we discuss this before David starts with this? I do this all the time. <laughs> I, was, I have a theory. I do this. We're talking sports. Yes. Like, theory should be for, like, how you're going to improve the tax plan or how you're getting health care or, yeah, like, we can we change... What's a different word... Theory, our 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 self importance when talking about sports and these things always makes me uncomfortable when I do it myself. I know David doesn't have a problem being self
2: important, but just for the rest of us, um, <laughs> what? Um, I would say cockamamie idea, right? Noodling <laughs> something like that, yeah. Okay. But that's the greatness of the uh, of Mr. David James the III, is he is a theory man.
0: So I've been noodling. All right. I don't know. That just makes me hungry. Now I want pasta. Mm.
1: I want ramen. (laughs) My ramen intake is way down due to COVID.
0: Four Jazz teams in a row have gone to the playoffs. I think this year's team is better than any of those four. And I can't guarantee I'll be able to say next year's team is better than any of the previous five. This is the peak year, the best opportunity, and they need to seize it to whatever degree. Accomplish whatever they can. They may run into a better team, but they need to get the most out of this season. And I know the front office will rebuild the roster down the line. But you got a thirty-one-year-old guy with some health issues with his wrist, a thirty-three-year-old guy with Achilles. Conley's had his issues in the past, although he seems to be on a pretty good run health-wise right now. They, they got to seize this. This is this is the best shot to get as deep into the playoffs as possible. Uh this is the moment. What do you think?
1: I mean, I think there's a there's a real chance that that's true. You just need so many things to line up correctly, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, like here's a I mean, I think you brought up like a really good example where you know, things aren't like aren't lining up correctly and maybe they will by the end of the year. So Mike Conley clearly needed time, right? Like Mike Conley did, the player we're watching right now is is reminiscent of what we saw in February and, and in the bubble. But he, you know, his transition of not having the ball in his hands all the time and playing with different types of players was much larger than any of us realized for him. And I think also just moving and everything else was just so he needed time. Boyan didn't for whatever reason, right? He's a he plays off of people. Quinn increased his role a little bit. He stepped up to it, and he, um, and and so you would the timing is the two of those clicking together as Rudy and Donovan get older and, and and better and Joe stays healthy. Well right now what you have is like Mike is doing that but suddenly you have this boy on injury and so the timing's not right and frankly you have the Joe injury, which, you know, clearly the day Joe missed the first game, you knew this was now going to be a season long issue. He wasn't going to miss a game for one because he was going to miss one. It was like, okay, clearly the streak has no chance of lasting for much longer than another week. So let's be smart now. Um and so, you know, right now the timing of what you're talking about is just it's not lining up. But you're right. Like we've added favors back. He's having a massive impact. We're plus like six when he's on the floor. We were minus six when he was when in those minutes last year. But you we don't have it's just hard. Like you just need so many things to line up and you know, we need last year's Boyan with this year's Mike, and that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, probably two years ago is Joe.
2: In the immediacy, they don't play well in New York, and then we sort of all leave them for dead, and they go to Milwaukee and turn it around. How do you explain that?
1: So it's interesting because Milwaukee, I actually kind of – they've always played Milwaukee well, and Milwaukee's defensive style really – Um lines up for the way, you know, if you go play your shell defense and let, and we get threes off, you're in trouble. Like, we're going to beat you. Uh, we're that good a shooting team. Uh, or they are. We are. Whatever. Um, I used to always say I could say we because I was traveling, so now I don't feel like I can say we anymore. Like I always said, if I have to get, if I have to arrive at 3 o'clock in the morning, I can say we, but I don't have to arrive at 3 o'clock in the morning anymore, so I probably shouldn't say we. Um, so, so that one didn't stun me, and then Cleveland and Detroit are really bad, So, but I, but I like the way we just Manhandle Cleveland and Detroit and defensively right. were so great in those games. Like that's, we just didn't allow them to get anything easy and the defense was really, really good in both those games. Those are our two best defensive games of the year, but those are also two really bad offensive teams. So, um, I'm a little surprised by what happened against Brooklyn. Um, I actually thought the Knicks would be a real problem for us. I said it on my podcast and said it on 1280 the zone earlier. They just, the way they play and what their skill sets are matched up to all of our weaknesses. Um, I kind of feel the same way about Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's not a huge isolation team, but they are another one of these little small point guards that, or just point guards that's playing with the ball in his hands and forcing Rudy out on the floor. And then John Collins can pop, which is always hard for us. And DeAndre Hunter's really, really good. And then they're super athletic. So if they don't force a lot of turnovers, they're great defending the shot. They do foul a lot, which leads me to believe that they're pretty aggressive um, defensively. And, and gonna get in on you, Um but they don't force a lot of turnovers, so they're probably protecting, um the pain a little bit. I've watched them a lot. I kind of love, I, I kind of love the Hawks, actually. They're probably my number one league pass team. So, um and, and Trey Young is kind of, you know, that's our bugaboo, right? The high scoring point guard, Jamal Murray, who can come out, shoot off the bounce picks. He's only shooting 33% off picks right now, but he can do it. Who then, you know, also Trey Young's un- led the league last year in baskets, off paint-to-paint passes, like incredible, six feet tall, his ability to find passing windows. So Rudy comes over to bother him. He's getting the ball to the guy behind him at a higher rate than anyone else in the entire NBA. Um, So I think this is a really hard matchup for us tonight. And so kind of the way the Knicks game was, this one, I think tonight will be a struggle for us. And then we'll really wonder what's going on after those other three games.
0: Let's uh, skip ahead to Denver on Sunday. Obviously, juicy after the playoff series a year ago. Denver started poorly, had a couple of losses to Sacramento early. Real head scratcher. But they're they're five and two in their last seven now. They're playing better. What do you see for that game on Sunday?
1: Is Michael Porter Jr. going to play? Uh,
0: you know, w- once you get into COVID stuff, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> if he plays, then we can get the Denver team before he got hurt or before he got COVID. And if he doesn't play, then we get the team that won five of their last seven that is playing very collectively, looks super good, Jokic is controlling, having an MVP year, and great. Their integration of Michael Porter Jr. is causing them huge problems. He's horrendous defensively. He takes a ton of possessions offensively. He doesn't seem to feel the game very well, and it's causing, from everyone I've talked to in Denver – the integration of Michael Porter Jr. is causing them significant problems. Significant enough that I wonder whether or not Bradley Beal is not on that team by the end of the year.
2: How does that relate to each other? Because
1: Denver has been unwilling to move Michael Porter Jr. and I wonder whether or not they might decide that they are.
2: They wouldn't move him for, for Bradley Beal? Well, they haven't been really willing
1: to move Michael Porter Jr. because of just the upside and money and... You know, it, he's got a chance to be great. Like, he's got a chance to be Kevin Durant offensively, so they'd like to see. But they are at, everything I've heard out of Denver is that they're having a really tough time gelling when he's on the floor. And there's some incredible videos that have been put out um, on YouTube of, like, his teammates all looking and yelling at him to rotate and him not moving.
2: Okay, but they wouldn't trade him for Bradley Beal, though? I'm on the hard well, time compl- understanding that. it's a that. far
1: more complicated deal, than, but Michael Porter Jr. would probably be one of the kin- kinpin pieces You know, If Bradley Beal's the next one to go, Michael Porter Jr. is probably about as good a young player as you can acquire right now for Bradley Beal in the league.
0: Well, speaking of 14 blockbuster trades, why don't we get right to it? Let's start with the Rockets end of this before we get to Brooklyn and maybe the other clubs. Uh, How good are the Rockets? Where does this new-look Rocket team, which is going to be completely different... Harden had the ball so much, how could it not be completely different? If they get all the pieces in place, how good is this Rocket team? What's their ceiling?
1: Yeah, I don't think very. Um, I don't think, you know, if I understand the playoff system right, I think I have it. We have, what, six teams make the playoffs, and then seven, eight, nine, ten play play playing games. Is that right? Yep. So I don't think they're top six. I mean, it's a new way to look at it, right? You kind of have to talk about, like, are you a top six team? I don't think they're a top six team.
2: Speaking of the Rockets, yeah, I would definitely buy that. Uh, I think yeah. that Although, I, I sort of like what they, they did. Top, I
1: mean, they were a top
2: 16 when the season started with the roster yeah. because they had James Harden, so they're not any longer. I, I would agree with that, but under the circumstances, I'm okay with what they got. How about you? Um,
1: I'm not sure. So I understand the draft pick accumulation game. What you're doing is you're just taking swings, right? We all know that You know, from pick 11 on in the draft, only 50% of those players really become regular rotation players. And in the top 10 picks, you know, 20% ever, I think, become an all-star. Like, it's really hard. The only problem to me is, and I have to look at all the years on the picks, but I suspect Brooklyn's going to be pretty good for, what, three, four years now? Five years? And so they got four first-round picks, and they got four pick swaps, The first two picks, if I've got the years right on it, eh, not like one of them becomes a rotation player, because the odds say. And so they got two, they, they might, they might, under best case scenario, if I get it right, have two swings at a top 10 pick, maybe. Um, and maybe not. And so if Ben Simmons was really available and you could get a, Number one pick that we know is established that's going to be about, like, an eight-year all-NBA player and an all-defensive player, fine, he doesn't shoot threes. I mean, I love the three and all, but, like, he's great. So I just would have taken the bird in the hand if that was really what was available. And I understand the draft pick accumulation that's going on between New Orleans, Oklahoma City, and Brooklyn. But when we stop being enamored by just, like, and treating every first-round pick like it's the exact same, like, there's a really dramatic difference between a first-round pick that is, you know, number 11, number 20, and number three. Like, they're dramatically different. So I'm I'm a little less, I guess, excited about that they got eight picks because – when you put it into some sort of tracker for what actually happens over the history of draft picks, it's not that exciting, right? So they have would they get first round picks in twenty twenty two? That's going to
2: be that's not going to be a good pick. Twenty twenty four is not going to be a very good pick, right? Yeah, but you want a good player. You don't want the pick. I mean, just you can have the number one right, pick so I'm and saying you can I'll draft take ben, the. Bust. If I could have
1: gotten Ben Simmons, I'm taking Ben Simmons.
2: Okay, but I'm, if I got Jimmy Butler available at the end of the first round, I'm taking him. Yeah, but that's like—I mean—so that's a swing
1: at it, right? That's what I'm saying. Is you're getting the yeah, swing, at like the numbers on that are pretty unusual, right? We can all talk about Rudy and Jimmy Butler and Giannis, mm-hmm. and how and how incre- and Donovan. Even let's go that post ten, like sure. yeah, and yeah. Kawhi, like they're there. But that's like there's one or one a year in those twenty picks. Right. I mean, that's we just did five guys. We could add probably Clay Thompson gets into that group. So there's six. Like we could probably find over the last like five to eight years, we could probably find 10 or 12 guys picked after 10 that really became stars. Okay. But that's still two out of 20 picks at best a year.
2: Assuming they keep all those
0: picks. That's what I was going to say. You know, I get your point, David, that they sound better than they're likely to be when you actually pick them. But who knows that the Rockets will pick with them. They might package them and trade a bowl full of hope to somebody else and yeah. get a good player for it. Right. I mean, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Oklahoma City's kind of in the same deal. You know, they, hit, they, they built that team on hitting on a bunch of high picks. Even for high picks, they overachieved. So maybe you overachieve or underachieve with the picks. Maybe you package the picks and move them. We'll have to see how it plays out. There are a wide range of potential results, from swinging and missing a bunch of times to using them to acquire a veteran player
1: or players. I mean, my guess, when I looked at it on those picks, by the way, just so everyone's clear, 2022, if I have it right, they're getting Milwaukee and Brooklyn's picks. So they're probably getting the 26th and 28th picks of the draft. The 2024 pick, unless something goes wrong, is still probably the 28th pick of the draft. And the 2026 pick has a chance to be pretty good. That's it.
0: David Locke joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Are you picking the Nets to come out of the East?
1: Yeah, I think so. Just running the numbers, if Kyrie's right, it's, it's a reform it's a rebuild of Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosch. It's exactly what it is. It's like the most remarkable offensive team and there's just no way teams can catch it. And Joe Harris is Ray Allen and they're just so incredibly efficient and overwhelming. I, I know they could be bad defensively. I just am not sure it's gonna matter. They're so much Kevin Durant's the best offensive player in the NBA right now. James Harden's been the best offensive player in the league last year, and Kyrie Irving's been one of the best over the last three years. Like, they're I, – I don't think – I have my points game metric, and I say if all three of those perform at average, it's actually mathematically impossible for teams to catch them. And then you add Joe Harris, who's wildly efficient, playing off of them. It's really – it's exactly like Miami. Miami was great defensively. So they're not good enough defensively to go win, what, Miami win at one point, like 23 straight games or something like that? I mean, that's one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. They're probably not that, but they're so great offensively that they, I think they win the whole thing.
0: David Locke, Radio Voice of Utah Jazz, joins us every Friday here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, moving around so we could get Joe on.
1: Yeah, who is Joe Ingles anyway? <laughs> <laughs> just, just one of the most hey, popular delay, players. <laughs> inappropriate comment of the day. I'll noodle things around with you any day.
0: <laughs> and we'll leave it on that sorry note. <laughs> Thank you, David. See you.